Since November 28, 1987, Kevin Williams has had a very heavy interest in radio. Now he's living his dream by doing a podcast. Welcome to the LDS Life Podcast. It is Tuesday, May 25th, 2021. I'm Kevin Williams. This is the LDS Life Podcast. Phil Lyman is my guest today. Phil Lyman was the commissioner of what, what, what county are you? Oh, San Juan County. San Juan. Yeah. And that's where, is that where, no, okay. Manti's in San Pete County, isn't it? I get those two mixed up for some reason. Yeah. Anyway, you yeah, were the commissioner for San Juan County, and we're going to talk about something very interesting coming up here. You had a run-in with the BLM, the Bureau of Land Management, not Black Lives Matter, but the Bureau of Land Management, right around the same time that the Bundys did, didn't you? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I'm a little confused here because I heard a lot of conflicting information. I remember... Hearing about your case uh, sometime June of 2015, I think it was around the time that you were in court. Now, did somebody approve of the ATV ride that you went on, which we'll get into in a few minutes? Did somebody approve of that and then you were found guilty or what happened? I'm a little confused because that's the impression I was under at one point, but then I read about it and didn't read anything about that. Um, well, yeah, that uh, Juan Palma, who was the state BLM director, um, and I wouldn't say that it was uh, permission or even approve. I just told him that we're going down the county road, and he said, oh, that'd be wonderful. Uh, no one's going to get arrested. Uh, so he gave his permission, gave his approval, but I didn't call to ask, hey, are you okay if I drive down a county road with a few hundred of my friends? Um I said, you know, this is what we're doing, and this is how it's going to go down, and uh, it's a county road. We're not planning on leaving that, and uh, he said, oh, that'd be wonderful. Um, yeah. Okay, and I that's what you, I thought. I'll call you next week, and, and we're going we're gonna to fix this, Phil. We're going to follow up with what we said we were going to do, and and boy, I'm, I'm right there with you. And then and he was, and then after the, re- the recapture thing, he came out and said, you know, thank, thanks for the peaceful um, actions and we're going to work on this. And then the environmentalist got to him and he flipped the story. And six months later, we get notified that we're being charged. Okay. So for those of you that don't know, because I'm sure we're getting a lot of listeners out of Utah or out of the Northwest, for those that don't know, the Bureau of Land Management closed off the, the Canyon. They closed off the road, the, uh, the, uh, they closed off, the, uh, the trail to the canyon, the recapture canyon for ATVs. But yet you can still, to this day, I do believe, you can still go hiking and horseback riding into that canyon, correct? Oh, you can drive From down the road. From a legal standpoint. What's that? Yeah. You can drive down the road. It's a county road. You can drive down the road today. Same road I drove on. Okay. But you, can then... get, you can get in your car. You can get in your ATV. You can drive to the end of that road, turn around and come back just like we did. No different. There's no difference. Okay, but your plan was not to go up into the canyon. Your plan was to drive along this pipeline that where the water line is, correct? Where the city gets its water. Um, yeah, I don't know how much you want me to explain the kind of the lay of the land out there, but it's it's probably pertinent if people are wanting to understand kind of what we what we were doing and what we were not. Yeah, doing. go ahead. Uh, so so in. In prior to 2008, <clears throat> San Juan County was a county that was considered open to motorized cross-country travel unless marked closed. Well, in 2008, the BLM came out with the rule and said, well, we're going to change that just slightly and say everything's closed unless it's marked open, meaning open to, motor- to cross-country motorized traffic. Uh, so Recapture Canyon was kind of in prior to this. It was a, it was a canyon that was open to motorized Cross-country travel, you could take your motorcycle and go right up the side of the cliff if, if you wanted to try to do that. There was nothing illegal about it. But in 2007, uh, the BLM closed the area to off-road travel, which means stay on the road. Don't go out creating new trails. But, and that's what they said. And then they came out with this narrative that, oh, the, the, the road that's there was illegally constructed in 2005. Well, the, the record shows that 
No, it was actually constructed in, you know, as a county road in 1887 uh, or 1889, excuse me, and was the first county road funded and it was had historic value and it's my great grandparents and everybody else that's around here that's been here for generations. Uh, but that, but it was the it was the environmentalists, specifically the Great Old Broads for Wilderness, is their name, out of Colorado, and they come in saying, you know, this road is illegally constructed, and the BLM, being the the patsies that they are, said, okay, well, we'll just go ahead and prosecute a couple of people, Ken Brown and Dustin Felstead, and this was back. They started it in two thousand six. Uh, did an emergency closure in 2007 of the area to cross-country off-road travel. They didn't close the road; they closed the area to off-country, off, off, uh, you know, off-road travel. And so people are still driving up and down the road. And and it was actually the locals that, that asked the BLM if they could, you know, basically close that area because they didn't like all the proliferation of trails that was happening naturally in a place that we thought was had historic significance. So. So that's that's where we're at. So we come up and and uh, and then they decide, oh, we're going to prosecute Ken Brown and Dustin Felstead for illegal truck construction, and they do. And who's the person in charge of that investigation? His name is Dan Love, Daniel P. Love, BLM law enforcement agent. And they start prosecuting those two individuals in 2007 or 2006, and it goes on for several years. And then in the middle of that, 2009, June of 2009, they decide to raid the entire town of Blanding with 300 federal agents. And they come in and uh, rough people up and drag people out of their homes and treat them like, uh, you know, like they're, you know, drug kingpins and uh, Dr. Red uh, here in Blanding, prominent doctor took his own life the next morning because they were threatening him and his family with, uh, stuff and this is all dan love this is dan love the same guy that went down to uh, bunkerville in 2014 the same guy that went out to burning man in 2017 and the same i mean he's a he's a he's a horrible person and and we were dealing with him and people just said oh well if if the blm's going after you it must be for some you know some good cause well it wasn't and it hasn't been so when i became a county commissioner and it was after the raids in 2009 that i said i I, I, I can't in good conscience not do something because I didn't see the commissioners doing anything. I didn't see the state doing anything. So I ran for county commissioner and the rest is history. I've been fighting the BLM ever since. Yeah, okay. So you had this idea, according to a news article that I read, I, I did a lot of research on your case. You, did, you sent me a lot of links, <laughs> but I read a news article that said, I guess, June 22nd of 2015. So I guess this was a year after the Bundy standoff, but uh, June 22nd, or uh, no, I'm sorry, June 22nd, 2014. Never mind. Yeah, it was around the same time. Um, you were promoting a ride, you know, the this ATV ride along the county road, like we talked about, along the water line, you know, where the city gets its water, a big water pipe under the ground. And then I, I, I get the impression that you did this in protest of the BLM locking up the trails in 2007. Is that correct? That's the impression I was under. Um, so the, 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 this started in um, October of 2013. And then the ride took place in May of 2014. Okay. On May 10th. Uh, we had a town hall meeting in February of 2014. Uh, and in 2013, October 1st, 2013, the BLM shut down the government and shut down all of the uh, parks and shut down Lake Powell and shut down, you know, 300 people in the county lost their jobs uh, overnight, places that didn't need to be shut down. And there was a lot of other things going on, lots of talk about a national monument. And I had a town hall meeting this was in 2013? People, this was in February of 2014. So oh, all 2014, kinda, okay. So we go from October of 13 with the government shut down up until February, some interaction with Sally Jewell, the Secretary of the Interior, some, some you know, a lot of kind of scary stuff that they're saying, you know, this, this is, we're going to hurt you. Uh, and so I told the people, if we don't make some noise, 
they're going to think that we're okay with the way they treat people here in San Juan County. And so someone said, well, we should do a protest and we should go down into recapture, you know, just like we did in 2011. But this time we should go down on our ATVs. And I said, all right, fine with that. We've got a road down there. Uh, if we stay on the road, that's we're not breaking the law. And some said, well, we need to go all the way through. And I said, well, it's problematic. Number one, the trail is pretty much destroyed uh, down in the middle part. But I said, you can drive down to the end of the county road and it's well-maintained. There's a pipeline there. The road isn't there because there's a pipeline. The pipeline is there because there was already an existing road. The BLM would never have allowed the pipeline except there was already an existing road. So yeah, good. Yeah, so that, the, that's a good clarification. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so that was the, the talk. And so we said, all right, well, let's do it in May. And, uh, and in April is when the Bundy thing happened, you know, uh, yep, I remember the that. second week of April and, yep. and I didn't know who the Bundys were prior to that, but our event was already planned. And, and that just kind of ramped it up without the Bundys uh, recapture probably wouldn't have even made the front page of the local paper. Cause it was, it was a nothing. It was, there was nothing illegal. There's nothing controversial. The day after the uh, um, town hall meeting, I called the BLM manager here in Monticello and said, hey, we had a meeting last night. We're going to do a protest. And this is what it's about. It's about um, the, uh, the bad treatment that the BLM has given our town and never an explanation. Never have they come out and said what the damages were in recapture. Never have they said what the crimes were from 2009. And we feel entitled to an explanation and we don't like where things are going with the national monument discussion and we're going to have a protest and he said oh that's unfortunate maybe you could do a service project instead maybe you could come and hoe weeds at the blm office you know and i said no we'll stick to we'll stick to this other but it wasn't an illegal protest it wasn't a wasn't an, an illegal trail ride um i guess if you say it enough then people just assume oh well, it must have been illegal but but that was a false narrative. So basically all you were doing, and I'm glad you clarified this because in the newspapers, it, it, yeah, it's, yeah, you were going to go down this road, this county road, which anybody, I could drive an ATV on the county road right now if I wanted to and not get arrested. Right. But apparently this is where, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is where I think maybe the BLM got some people into trouble no offense to you, you were just uh, protesting what was going on with the BLM as far as what happened in, you know, the talk about the monument and all. But my understanding was there were people that were riding off the road into the trail, into the canyon where they weren't supposed to be. And that's when this all started. Am I correct? That's when the BLM started coming after you and not that it was your fault, because it clearly wasn't by reading the papers, but that's 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 my impression. Am I correct? Well, no. I mean, that's that's the narrative that they want to promote. Um, but I would no. I was charged with trespass and conspiracy to trespass, and you can't be charged with conspiracy if you don't actually do some overt act. Yeah. So 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 it's it's a false narrative. So they came up and said, "Oh well, he crossed the line." He, he just, you know, went rogue down through recapture. Well, it's not true. It's not true at all. And I parked my uh, uh, ATV. Did any riders do that, road. though? Not that I saw. Okay. You know, I, was, I, I wasn't at the first of the pack, and I wasn't the, the last one to leave. But I went okay. out there. I parked at the end. There was 200 people that came out, and we stopped there. Now, if somebody did want to go further... Um, it's still a county road. It's still on the county plan. It's still a county roadmap all the way through. It's been a road. And so if somebody wanted to say, I'm going to assert this uh, existence of this road, then that would be a, that would be a, a quiet title type of an action, a controversy that gets settled by deciding, you know, is that a road or is that not? It doesn't get settled by charging people with conspiracy and trespass. Okay. Let alone people who didn't even drive on the road. So uh, so that, that, that was kind of phase two of, of this thing was to, you know, fight for the whole, the road all the way down through the bottom of recapture, the old historic pioneer road. 
that existed after they built the after they built the dam recapture dam then it slowed the, the you didn't have the flash floods and stuff so we ended up with a lot of beaver dams a lot of water down there that didn't exist previously and it kind of you know obscured the old uh, pioneer road so you know people were working around up on the banks and things like that so but my reason for not going past the point where I did was it was really overgrown and I was on a rented machine and I didn't want to scratch it up and pay for damages. And, and anybody else that wanted to go down there would have had the same experience of, Oh, this is not a fun ride. This isn't something that you just go down through these. It's so let, very, let's, very uh, overgrown. pause there for a few minutes. Would it not have been overgrown had they not shut that part down in 2007? Right. Right. So, okay. so they shut it down under the pretense that it was that it was illegally constructed. So, so the BLM saying, essentially, that road doesn't exist. Uh, there is no road. All there is in recapture is an illegally constructed trail built by Ken and Dustin Brown, and they're willing to prosecute them to make that point. Well, the problem is, as the state historic preservation officer said, even a brief, you know, uh, study of the historical record shows the road up recapture wash, you know, as early as 1897 uh, or whenever that date is, you know, the late 1800s after they settled. So, so it's a problem for the BLM to say, uh, this is the case. And uh, anyone that disagrees with that, we'll just prosecute you. We don't have to prove it. And they didn't go through a due process to close a road. You know, if it's a county road, there's a process that you go through. And they didn't go through that. They did an emergency closure, which by statute lasts for a maximum of six months. It expires in six months. Well, it had been in place for seven years uh, in 2014. And, uh, and, and, it wasn't a, and it was a closure of the area to cross-country motorized traffic. It was not a closure of the road. So then you get down, you have to say, well, okay, well, what is the road? What, what is it? And that's, that's a point where, uh, you know, in, in, in a court of law, there has to be a case in controversy in order to have it adjudicated. And if nobody, you know, if the BLM just says, oh, we're just going to say it's closed and nobody ever says anything about it, then there's no controversy. They don't ever adjudicate it. People just abandon it. And it happens all the time. It's not a horrible thing if nobody cares about a road, but this road was one that people cared a lot about. And, and rather than adjudicate the road, they decided to prosecute us for trespass. And, uh, and then that gets into the whole, you know, collusion between the federal judge and his best friend on, on Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance. And I mean, it was very contrived. It was very, very contrived and, and cooked up. So, so, so you go from, feeling like the BLM is a bad actor to getting into the Department of Justice and finding out, oh, now I know who, where the real bad actors are and they're in the Department of Justice. They're very, very dishonest and, and, and bought into the, to the false narrative. So anyway, that's, that's chapter two or chapter three of the story. But, well, I wonder yeah. why did the BLM come after you in the first place? Because I'm under the impression if I went there right now today at, what is it, 7.30 almost, May 25th, 2021, 7.25 p.m., riding on that road with an ATV, I don't think they would stop me, would they? So why did they stop you folks? Is it because you talked to the BLM manager and something happened or what? What was different in your case, do you think? Um, it was a showdown with the uh, with the environmentalists, um, environmentalists coming in here and, and 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 you know whatever goading the BLM into into charging Ken and Dustin Brown with a crime, and they did it, and they charged them. Uh, and then after the raids, and after their neighbor was you know mistreated and took his own life, and others' lives were destroyed. I mean, twenty six people in Blanning basically had their lives destroyed by Dan Love. On June 29th of two thousand, or on June 10th of of uh, two thousand nine, and uh, and that's when Ken and Dust Dustin pled to um, a misdemeanor charge instead of the felony charge. Instead of going to prison for twenty five years for for you know desecrating a sacred canyon, they just pled to a to a misdemeanor. And I called called Ken. I said, "Please don't plead to this. You didn't do anything wrong." And he said, "I just I, there's no way I can." I can go to Salt Lake. Uh, and I said, oh, I know federal court can be really hard. He said, no, I can't go to Salt Lake. I, I can't go to that city. I don't, you know, you know, he's just a small town person. And 
So rather than, rather than have their homes raided and their children strip searched and, and their doors bashed down and, and humiliated in front of their neighbors, they, they took a plea deal. And I've got all the records of their case. Uh, you know, um, one of the investigators was asking Dustin afterwards, you know, hey, I, I've asked around town, nobody will talk about this. And he said, everybody in this town is scared to death of the BLM. And he was right, because they had shown that they will kill you. They will literally, they will literally break down your door with bulletproof vests and apply pressure to your most sensitive areas and drag you out of your house in handcuffs and humiliate you and destroy your life. And, and they did that. So what was the reason for the raid in 2009? Did they raid the whole community of Blanding or what did they raid exactly? Obviously somewhere in Blanding. Yeah, they raided, they raided the community of Blanding. 26 people were targeted and they had a sting operation um, leading up to that. And it was under the auspice of, of artifacts that these people have had a multi-million dollar black market artifacts ring going, which is, you know, so laughable. And especially to people who knew what was going on, yet the BLM, all they have to do is say it. And, and the environmentalist groups jump on board. And what they want is to shut down San Juan County. It's one of the wealthiest counties mineral-wise in the, in the state, has been for years. And the environmentalists want that shut down. So instead of saying, hey, let's, let's see if we can get some restrictions on oil and gas and lithium and helium and potash and uranium and silver and gold and everything else that, that San Juan County is so rich in, they come in and say, oh, well, these people are you know, desecrating sacred sites and selling the, you know, digging up graves and selling the goods for, to buy drugs. And, and it's really offensive. It's really, really offensive to people who are not doing that to be accused of that. And especially when they know what the agenda of the other group is, which is to um, defame a town before you come in and um, take away all of their, all of their mineral rights and all of their wealth and, and you know, reduce them to uh, subjects. Okay, so in 2009, I'm just trying to get this clear, 2009, 26 people were accused of having minerals or artifacts at their disposal that the BLM did not want them to have. Whether that's true or not, we don't know. Is that what you're saying? That's what started this raid in 2009? That's what started the raid in 2009. And the same thing happened in 1984. BLM came in and, and did a raid then. Just because somebody reported to the BLM that somebody had precious artifacts. So here's how it works. I mean, in, in 1984, it was Calvin Black. Calvin Black was an outspoken county commissioner with a lot of mining claims, a lot of interests in mining, who had an understanding of environmentalists and what they and, and the damage that they do. So he's out there talking, you know, saying, telling the truth about. Um, Edward Abbey and the Monkey Wrench Gang and all these and how destructive they are. Well, they don't like that. They don't like being exposed for what they are. And so their response is to go after you. And how do they go after you? They just call the BLM and the BLM and the, and the environmental groups are one and the same. They, they're not two different entities. The BLM is as much a, an arm of Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance as, as anything. So, so that's what they do. If they want to hurt you, they call up the BLM and they, they have a raid. They did it to Clive and Bundy down in Bunkerville. Why? Because there were some people in Las Vegas who wanted some land in Las Vegas. And to do that, they had to get ranchers off the land in Bunkerville so they could do it swapped. And to do that, they have to accuse them of, of whatever crimes they can. And that's what they do. They just accuse, 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 accuse. That's, that's who they are. That's BLM, environmentalists, same thing. So if you find yourself... Uh, the target of the environmentalists, then you can expect that you're going to be accused of whatever, trespass, hoarding artifacts, uh, being a grave digger, uh, being a racist, uh, uh, anything. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what. And when they accuse you, then people up in Salt Lake, like Alliance for a Better Utah, they jump on board and they sign a petition and the Salt Lake Tribune does a story about it and they, you know, wreck your wreck your life because they want to prove that they can, that they can make an example out of you. So if you're a county commissioner in a small county like San Juan County and you say these environmentalists are 
a bunch of losers. Yeah, they don't they don't like that. They come after you, which is which is, you know, I'd rather they come after me as a county commissioner than than keep going after people who can't who don't have that political uh, support. So basically, I just want to get this straight, and then we'll move on. In two thousand nine, then. 26 people were accused of having precious artifacts. Uh, apparently somebody called the BLM or something and said these 26 people had the precious artifacts. Therefore, they came in and raided the whole town, correct? They didn't even check those 26 people out to see if they did they have. Do so it's not accused. It's, you know, being dragged out of your house, is that's not being accused. That's being arrested and arraigned. And they, they, so they were arrested and arraigned. And it was after a, a two and a half year sting operation with a man by the name of Dan Gardner, an ex drug addict turned informant for the BLM who spent uh, over $300,000 purchasing artifacts down in this area um, in order to create a sting. And much of it was directed at Dr. Red because he had beat the BLM on a previous uh, charge they, that they had charged him with and he, and he won. So that gets the, environmentalists slash BLM uh, excited and they came after him in 2009 and, and they did it with uh, shock and awe. And it was the first time that the BLM employees were allowed to wear brown bulletproof vests and jack boots and carry semi-automatic weapons. And they were, they were high on, on that adrenaline rush that they were getting and 300 according to Orrin Hatch there was over 300 federal agents in town on that day and they okay. they strip searched a 13 year old girl they uh you know held people on the floor for several hours they it was it was brutal it was it was it was it was nothing it was nothing resembling uh justice or even a an exercise very very unprofessional conducted by Dan Love and if and if people who don't know Dan Love they should google it and find out a little bit about Dan Love and his yeah Dan his Love's not account. innocent himself as a matter of fact he was a he was uh, caught for having precious artifacts on his desk I read and uh, one of the things I did read which you probably remember Phil is that I you know I read the same thing you did that Dan Love gave some of those precious artifacts that he wasn't supposed to have to contractors and he said if you get accused of this or if law enforcement comes after you, let me know. I know people in high places now. Right. Do you right. think that was a sting that Dan was doing or do you think that was legitimate? Because you talked about a sting. I could see it going both ways to the contract with, for the contractors. So, yeah, it was after this Operation Cerberus action was the name of it. And it was it was following that. So after the deaths, I mean, Ted Gardner, the uh, the guy that was the informant, he killed himself. Uh, because he said he'd, 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 this was not what he thought it was, and he, and he had killed his friends uh, via the BLM, and, and he shot himself, supposedly. He may have been shot. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, the, the, the sting operation was, a, was a, an evil perpetuation of a lie, and Dan, or Ted Gardner knew it, and he, and he took his life. Dan Love knew it, and yeah, and then following that, they made BLM made him agent of the year. Uh, and everyone that was in Cerberus action got a nice gold medallion for, you know, their, their valiant, brave work, strip searching three 13 year old girls. And uh, um, uh, anyway, that's, 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 that, that's what happened in Cerberus action. So it wasn't accused, it was arraigned. They were dragged out of their homes like they were most dangerous criminals in the world and and then and then after they were arraigned in moab they said ah all right find a way home see ya you know no reason to keep you so you're not dangerous of course you're not dangerous but that doesn't mean we don't need 300 agents to storm your house and 78 year old guy that they put six people at the front door and four people at the back door and his wife said did they think he was going to make a run for it what you know what what's going on and and most of the people were acquitted afterwards like oh yeah there's nothing there's nothing here yeah this is crazy because who, yeah. that's that violates the whole yeah. entire search warrant idea doesn't it uh under flipma federal agents don't have to have search warrants and they don't have to have probable cause and people don't know that but all i have to do is go and read flipma and they find out oh 
that's the Federal Lands Policy Management Act of 1976. And, but it is a violation yeah, got, of the very basic Constitution, though, whether right, it's a law right. or not. Right. And if you bring that up in a federal court, a federal judge will make sure that that you don't see the you don't see the light of day. They don't like to be told that what they're doing is is evil and unconstitutional and wrong and illegal. Uh, and they'll protect that for, for, for some reason. I, I mean, if you if you can figure this out, I'll be very interested, but but it's it's evil. It's really, really, it's really, really bad. And and it's targeted at small communities like this where where large communities on the Wasatch Front can hear about it and say, oh wow, that blanding must be a it must be a really horrible place. And, you know, for those of us who are born and raised here and lived here and call it home, it's a little bit offensive. Very, very Absolutely. offensive, I guess. Yeah. I've actually uh, met some very nice people from Blanding, as you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, I do want to get into something here that I found interesting. You sent me an article from Range Magazine, which I have heard them advertised on the radio. I've never actually paid attention to them, but I read the disturbing article that you sent me the link to. One of the things that was mentioned in the article, and I want your opinion on this, a person named, I'm going to murder his name, so I'm going to spell it, H-A-N-S-J-O-G. The last name is W-I-S-S, Wiss, I guess. Um, he, oh, Hans, Hans Jorg, yeah. Yeah. So he was uh, notorious, still is, I'm sure, of donating to a lot of these foundations. One of a lot of them I've never heard of, but he also donated five hundred thousand dollars to Tiffany's. Well, if you look at the foundations that he's donated, he's pretty well uh, he's pretty well connected with the CLF Foundation, which is the Conservation Land. Or no, uh, yeah, Conservation Land. Federation Foundation. Foundation. Yep. Yeah. And anyway, so this guy donates 500000 to Tiffany's. They're a jewelry place. They dig a whole bunch of jewelry out of the ground, a whole bunch of minerals to make the jewelry, I should say. I don't know where they're getting their minerals from. That'd be interesting to find out. Now, I don't mean to go down to conspiracy territory here, but do you think... Well, before I go there, he also donated money to another company that sells eco-friendly clothing that I had never heard of before. But given the fact that he donated 500 grand to Tiffany's, would it be safe to say that maybe the BLM has something in store for these trails that they wanted and closed off? Maybe they'll go back in someday and reopen those trails for the big corporations like Tiffany's and this clothing company for those companies? Well, there's definitely a uh, kind of a, an upper crust. You know, Hans-Jorg Weiss or Weiss is a Swiss uh, orthopedic surgeon that developed a, a, a um, apparatus to replace a hip and he's an ex extremely wealthy he's a billionaire and and he and yeah so he's he's turned his sights on america and saving uh land which which is code for shutting down extractive industries and cornering the market he's, he owns tons of mineral rights himself so if he can come into san juan county and shut down all of his competition then his rights become worth more anyway so yes ultimately you get the, the Sally Jewels of the world, who was the former, she was the Secretary of the Interior, former CEO of REI and uh, Patagonia, uh, made in China, Patagonia. And these companies that have this- uh, Patagon, you know, by the way, this... is the clothing company that I was referring to. I just found it here. Oh, was um, it? Okay, yeah. all right. It's yeah. spelled P-A-T-A-G-O-N-I-A. -A -A. Anyway, carry on. Yeah. Hundred thousand yeah, so, dollars was donated to that, by the way, from the same person we're talking, talking about. Carry on. So yeah, Hans Jörg Weiss is just—he's just out stirring, stirring the pot. He's kind of a George Soros type person. It's—it's it's not U.S. money that's doing this. It's—it's it's foreign money, and they've got an—they've got an objective, and it's usually to, to pad their pockets by shutting down someone else's industry. So 
I don't think that all of the uh, useful idiots on the ground, the environmentalists that are here, know anything about that. They just they just hear the narrative of oh, they want to, you know, put a shopping mall on the top of Bears Ears. We've got to stop that. You know, it's just just nonsense that comes out. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, you're talking about an elite class of people with tons and tons of money who get together and say, you know, what, wouldn't it be awesome if there were no people living in San Juan County or if only indigenous people lived in San Juan County and, and, and that's the conservation lands foundation. That's, that's the Hans George Weisses of the world. They're, 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 I don't know, bad people. And, and like saying the environmentalists are mostly in my in my experience, in my observation, they are useful idiots in that whole scheme of making it happen. Yeah, by the way, the, just a quick reference here. The Conservation Land Foundation, my understanding is they have donated a bunch of money. I guess somehow this organization, UDT, UB, what is it? U, no, DTB, I think, something like that, was created from this foundation. I think you're talking about Utah Dene Bikea. Yes. UDB. Yes. Yeah. Utah Dene Bikea. Now, I do want to ask you about that. But yes, they did create that. So there's definitely, you want to talk about crony capitalism. You know, for those of you who think, and I was of this mindset too, oh, it's the Republicans' fault. It's both parties' fault, don't you think? It's both the Republicans' and Democrats' fault. Yeah. I mean, this, this stuff so transcends the parties i don't even know but yeah you don't have to be a democrat to no you don't when when it's when it's hans jorg weiss from you know, i mean he's i don't i don't know if he's a democrat or republican oh the, well american, i think so. he's a democrat by the way uh this former ceo of tiffany's the person with the last name of michaels him and his wife make six figure income have six figure incomes and well i think they both do combined but nonetheless they're huge donators to the democratic party if that's not crony right. capitalism, I don't know what is, folks. I mean, when I was in college, the, 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 the Democrats were kind. The Democrats were compassionate. The Democrats were this. You name it. Uh, no, I don't think so. And uh, the Republicans, in my opinion, at least the high-up ones, are just as guilty. But I want to ask you about this foundation, though, because I had read a little bit. Of, I wanted to Google this. Uh, what what did you call it? The U Utah Dene Bakea. What's that? Utah Dene Bakea. Utah Dene Bakea. I googled Dene Bakea is a Navajo. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I googled the initials, and I want to get your viewpoint about this. And I again, I wanted to look at all sides of your case just so I could come up with questions. And there were things I didn't know. There were things I had heard about. And I knew that you would tell me the truth because you're friends with people that I'm friends with. So I knew that uh, I knew getting you on here would be good. There are certain LDS oriented podcasts that are certainly not going to give you the time of day, unfortunately. But I looked up this foundation and right away, and I looked on Google and right away, something came up about Bears Ears, apparently, and I, I want your insight on this. The article that I read uh -huh. said that apparently uh, said that Bob Bennett in 2009 asked a group of Native Americans, what can we do to better improve this land? And so I guess the, this foundation here, gave uh, some ideas or native americans gave some ideas somehow this foundation got involved and the navajo they wrote a book on how to better treat the navajos or the native americans not necessarily navajos but the native americans they sent it to robert bishop robert bishop and a whole bunch of people were satisfied with it then the story went that Robert Bishop missed nine meetings with them in 2011. Meanwhile, Bob Bennett was voted out in 2010. I remember that at the primary, or no, mm -hmm. not at the primary, at the caucus. Right. And the, this article said, oh, it seemed like we were just getting stalled because Robert Bishop didn't show up to the appointments. And then your name got thrown into there after, you know, what we discussed in 2014, 
And so they were threatening, well, if we don't get any legislation from Congress, we're going to turn this into a monument. To make a long story short, that's how Bears Ears was formed. I'm sure there's a lot more to the story. Do you have any insight on this? Because this was according to an article I'd read. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're, you're kind of validating what I said, which was there was a lot of discussion long before 2014 leading up to this, hey, we're, you're going to get a national monument. And the reason why is because, you know, you won't give to Utah Dene Bikea what they want. And that's a, that, that is a flat out lie. I, I was, I was county commissioner in 2011. I took office in 2011 and we had a big meeting and Utah Dene Bikea came with their maps and they threw them down on the table. They invited the wall street journal and everybody to come and report. They threw it down on the table, said, this is what we want. And I said, if it's sacred to one person in this county, it's sacred to all of us, and that looks fine. They're like, what? And I said, yeah, that looks all right. The county will support that. And, they, and then they said, well, what about the land on the east side of the county? And that, those indigenous lands, I said, well, add them to your map. I, you know, it's your map. You can add them on. And then they said, well, what about the land up on the LaSalle and on the north end of the county? And I said, now it feels like you just won't take yes for an answer and that you want to abuse this relationship of trust, which is exactly what they want to do. Um, you know, if, if you say you can have half the county, then the, the, the story that comes out is, you know, oh, the racist white people, you know, want to retain all of our land. And it's like, it just, it just goes on and on. So, so yeah, sorry, I, I get off on a tangent there, but, but, no, no, but yes, this, did. this discussion had, had been going on for a very, very long time. And Bob Bennett had tried to do a public lands deal. Uh, and, and, and and even if even if they come and say this is what we want and you get together and congress says okay that what you asked for is what we're we're giving you they would come back incensed with rage that that was all that they got and that's what they do so so i'm working with utah Dene bikea through this they bring in dennis sizemore from round river another environmentalist group and he comes down first meeting first time in and he says uh we don't want to have to slog this down your throats, but we will, and we can. And I said, why would you slog it down our throats? We're, this is, this is our proposal. <laughs> this is the county's proposal you're talking about here, which was a, which was a, a huge concession to Utah Dene Bikea and with total, you know, sincere um, desire to, to be respectful of something that, that Utah Dene Bikea was saying was important to them and sacred to them. And it's all federal land anyway. It's not like county commissioners, you know, call the shots on federal land. So it wasn't like we were giving anything. We we're just saying, okay, that's all right. Um, go and do that. We'll support you in it. Um, but that's, but that's what comes back is, is uh, nothing but nothing but venom. I'm actually glad you clarified that because in the article, it did say that, it actually said in the article, you are too far ahead of them is what it said, basically. So I'm glad you clarified that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, yeah, I've been very, very involved in this for, for, for a long time. In 2000, I think it was in 2011 or 2012, I got an award from Utah Dene Bikea for all the help that I had been to them. And uh, I'm not that proud of it now, but it's like, this was, this, this turned into something very, very ugly. And it was when Dennis Sizemore and, and the Round River group and uh, showed up. And Yeah, the, uh, there is a link in the show notes. I will put a link to the Range Magazine article. You can go ahead and look it up. It was a very lengthy read. I have to admit, I had to read it about four or five times. And so I had to take a bunch of notes on it to finally understand it because it was very, very, very I don't want to say wordy, but very detailed. A lot of meat in the article. So uh, I, I'm, I'm actually surprised that I remember half of what I read in that article and the other article. But anyway, I'll put a link to that in the show notes, the Ranger magazine article, and I'll try and find that other one if I can. But let me ask you something, because we had the same issue happen in Maine. The same issue, Roxanne, I can't remember her last name, Roxanne donated money from uh, her four shareholdings. And lo and behold, there was a monument now made in Maine. It's, oh, by the way, it's Roxanne Q-U-I-M-B-Y, Quimby, I think. Roxanne Quimby. And 
the main the governor of Maine was pretty upset and rightfully so that a bunch of rich people can just come in and buy land. And I think, well, he specifically said rich liberals, which is what they are. Why are the governors not trying to sue the BLM over this? Why, why is there not more outrage going on with these governors, the state attorney generals and such? So in Utah, um, Governor Herbert, person I have tons of respect for, um, but he was, he was, intimidated by the environmentalists. They put up a billboard. He didn't like that, didn't like the bad publicity. Uh, as for the attorney general, he has attorneys working in his office who are card-carrying members of SUA, whose, whose interests are very counter to what, you know, preserving uh, liberty and more interested in, in the uh, Hans-Jorg Weiss uh, model. So, so you've, got, you've got people inside the government, inside the state offices who are you know, legitimately your adversaries and, and yeah. probably some that are our allies as well, but the, the net result is they do nothing. What can we as people do to ensure that this kind of behavior doesn't go on? I realize it's not going to change overnight. You know, I really appreciate information, you know, getting the truth out. And I, I can tell you, I'm, when, I'm, when I'm telling you this stuff, it, I have no agenda other than the truth. And people are surprised. They're surprised that uh, if, if they would look at the facts in recapture, they would say, are you kidding me? They, they, they prosecuted people over, over this? Not, not like, oh, this little crime. It's like this non-crime, this, this absolute non-crime. Uh, so, so my mission has been to get, the, to get the message out, to inform people and let them know basically that if you're dealing with the BLM, you're dealing with environmentalists who will lie to you and who will hurt you and hurt your family and destroy your business. And, uh, and they do it at the, at the behest of people like Hans-Jorg Weiss and the and Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance. I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's bad people. Well, I, I see a division and I want to talk about your legislature experience and then possibly end on that. There's a great division and I'm seeing it more and more, and I'm sure you are too, with the rural folk and the city folks, um, I see, you know, I don't know if you're aware of this, Oregon, last week, five counties in Oregon, including the county that I was born and raised in, Malheur County, Baker County, Jefferson County, uh -huh. all on the eastern part of Oregon. I can't remember the rest of the counties, but I know they were all on the eastern part of Oregon. Voted to secede from Oregon and be part of Idaho. As far as I know, last time I checked, Idaho is okay with this. Now, I realize it's going yeah. to take 10 years. Where do you see this all going? Because there's a great division here. And because of the COVID vaccines, there's people that want to take it. There's people that don't. I don't want to get into a debate right now whether the vaccine is good or not. But my point is, there's such. I'm seeing a divide. It's like reading a science fiction book. It kind of reminds me of a brave new world where the savages were off doing their own thing because they didn't like the technology and they didn't like all the superficialness. And then the city folks, those that were getting the technology and all these great, wonderful things that they could do, go to the theater and experience the movie like they were there in person. It reminds me of a brave new world. Where do you see all this going? Because I see a great divide with rural and city folks. So, I mean, the Italians have a term that's uh, qui bono, who benefits. And, uh, and I, I promise you that this is not an organic division. This isn't just like irreconcilable view of the world. It's contrived, it's manufactured, it's, it's pushed out there. And it doesn't, matter, it doesn't matter what the point is, if it's masks or vaccines or race or rural versus urban or wilderness or extraction, everything that these Hans-Jorg Weiss characters do is to, is to undermine the fabric of, of our society, to make enemies out of friends and to divide people you know, on, on ideological grounds. That, that's, my, that's my observation of that. I think you're right. Think is happening. And, and I don't know who's driving it, but like I say, it's it's not it's not innocent, it's not benign, it's not organic, it's contrived by you know the the, the elites. 
for whatever reason. Well, yeah, uh, you know, I remember I was a Democrat in college. I was a college kid. Now, I was probably more sympathetic to farmers than some because I actually had a brother-in-law that was a farmer. So whenever I would talk about farmers to friends of mine, I would tone down my rhetoric just because I knew the farmers were hard workers. But I was one of those people who thought, oh, yeah, a lot of farmers are backwards. And part of it was because I just was I just remember being in my brother-in-law's house sometimes and, you know, the doors were put on the bathroom kind of weird and, you know, where the shower was and the house was old and I, you know, and then just yeah. things like that. I mean, oh, geez, these backwards farmers. And, you backwards, know, I, yeah. Backward rednecks. Yep. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, at least city people, if something breaks down, we fix it pretty quickly. You know, as far as our plumbing or whatever, we don't let this go on and on and on and on. <laughs> uh, but now I'm starting to realize that there's a bigger picture. Now, by the way, not all farmers are that way. I'm sure there's farmers when the plumbing goes wrong, they're taking care of it right away. That was just yeah, my... They have a little different set of, you know, priorities in life for the most part. Yeah. Rural, rural does. They have a different set of priorities and it, and it shows sometimes. Yeah. And I have a different view now since I've met the Bundys and realized that they're good people. I've met uh, others. But I want to talk to you about the legislation. Uh, you know, how is your experience in the legislature? Um, I really love the legislature. I, I love the process. I love, um, you know, the idea of, of being able to affect things and I don't know, have a little bit of influence, spread the truth. Um, and it's also very frustrating. I, I'm, a kind of, I'm kind of drawn a, like a moth to the flame when it comes to conflict. And, and at the legislature, it's all very kind of controlled, but there's a debate happening every, every minute or two or three of them. And, it's, and that's, there's a part of me that really kind of enjoys that. What do you think of uh, what happened to Mitt Romney a few weeks ago? He got booed on stage. Uh, what is your take? Because obviously Mitt Romney has not listened to the people of Utah. He's part of the establishment, my viewpoint. And I know you agree with me. What do you take of him getting booed on stage? And, you know, he was saying, oh, this, this is embarrassing. What is your take on all that? I, I was there. Um, I'm not. I'm not usually one to to boo myself. And I was sitting on the very, very back row, clear at the top. But I was enjoying it. And and the part that I was enjoying about. I mean, it was uncomfortable for Senator Romney. It, it really was. It was kind of uncomfortable. But I thought these are people who are, who are, you know, going to express themselves. They're fed up. They're not going to be silenced, and they're not going to be embarrassed into uh, you know going along passively with something that they disagree with adamantly you know so i i loved it i i thought it was i thought it was uh i thought it was great i think mitt romney could have handled it so much better um you know i think he did a terrible job of, of you know navigating that situation but uh but yeah i was pleased that there are people in utah who who are just not gonna put up with that garbage do you think he was surprised that he got booed maybe that's why he handled it the way that he did is he was surprised or do you think he saw this coming and it was too much for his ego. What do you think? I mean, no, no disrespect to Mitt Romney. I don't think he cares. I don't think he cares what the people of Utah think about him. I think he feels like he's, he is one of those elites. He's one of those very, very smart individuals who has made tons of money by his, uh, you know, his, uh, his clever moves. And, and, and I think he looks at the rest of Utah like we are rural, like we are Rednecks, country bumpkins. I really don't think he cares if he gets booed. Not by Republicans. You know, if it was the Democrats booing him, I think he might, you know, adjust his, his methods. But when it's the Republicans booing him, he, he's got no respect for Republicans in Utah. Yeah. What is your take on Governor Cox? I, I'm glad that he's opened up the state in Utah. I guess there's a big to-do about the school districts opening. Last I heard, he was going to live, leave it up to the districts. What, what do you think of Spencer Cox? Well, uh, I, I've, been, I've been in meetings with Spencer that, uh, and heard him talk about some of these, these issues and federal 
issues and he can give uh, he can give a speech that will bring tears to your eyes and it's sincere. I have a lot of hope for Spencer. Been very, very frustrated with his um, pandering to the left and, and um, kind of acting like he wants to be all things to, to all people. I would rather he just, you know, stand firmly on the right. Uh, I think he should. I think that's what a Republican governor should do. So, so I don't like the equivocation that I see with Governor Cox. But that said, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to, I don't know, help him, support him in being a conservative and, and maybe oppose him in being, a, you know, in, in some of his liberal things. It's, it, it's abhorrent to me that any governor thinks that they can, uh, you know, involuntarily mandate things on healthy people, people who, know, who pose no direct health threat. And he didn't do that. Governor Herbert's the one that issued that. And when he did, I thought, man, that's, what do you do now? You've got to tell people when they can stand up and when they can sit down, when they can wash their hands and when they, you know, it's just, it's like, that's just area that the government should never, ever get into. And it was a big mistake. And I've been very critical of that, of that involvement in our lives. Well, um, who do you think is the most constitutional legislative member in Utah right now, besides you? You're, you're pretty, a pretty solid conservative. Who else? And who do you think would be a good gubernatorial candidate down there? In Utah? Yes. <laughs> um, I, there, there are so many. There are so many really good legislators. I mean, some that come to mind right off the bat, uh, Mike Peterson, uh, uh, Jefferson Moss. Uh, uh, I, I mean, I, I don't even want to start naming names because there's so many that, that, that really are, are good. And, and they're all sincere. I don't know of too many that are, you know, just seeking their own interests. I imagine there's a handful of those, but uh, constitutionally wise, I think, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm impressed with uh, Travis Sigmiller and uh, Norm Thurston, um, Candace Perucci, uh, and, and, and Francis Gibson. And I mean, the list could go on and on really. Okay. Uh, they all have their strong points. Well, okay. So let me just ask you this and then a couple more questions and we're done. Um, what do you think is the most pressing issue with Utah, given your experience with uh, the Bureau of Land Management and what you've had to deal with? What do you think is the mo most pressing issue to Utah? I think the thing that is missing is the truth. We want to debate positions, sides, uh, parties, left, right. And what we really need to get down to is to talk about, you know, what is the truth? And COVID has really highlighted that. It's like, well, what is this? And where did it come from? And what are the dangers? And who's at risk? And does this help? And, and it's turned into, oh, well, you should wear a mask because you should love your neighbor. Or you should get vaccinated because that's, you know, uh, what, what, you know, obedient people do. It, Let's, let's get down to, to the truth. I think that's what I think that's what Utah of all the states should value above anything else is um, is honest is honest dialogue without all of the um, stigma that tends to accompany it. Yeah. Well, uh, going on to another topic real quick. I know you happen to be a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Question I always ask people on here, those that are LDS anyway, what do you like the most about being LDS? And do you have a calling? If so, what? <laughs> uh, I, I don't have a church calling right now. I was okay. uh, in the Young Men's Presidency um, just and got released just uh, about the time COVID came out. And then, uh, yeah, so, so I... I am a minister, I guess, and okay. so I don't have a church calling. Uh, I love the church. I love the organization, and um, um, I, I think, I mean, I, for me, the, the church provides a, a, an avenue or a, a space where I can develop a relationship with my Savior and uh, and that's what I value more than anything uh, is is feeling like I'm connected to something, you know, that's eternal and significant. And and I do feel that with yeah with my membership or 
or just certainly I feel that with my family and with, with Jesus Christ. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, is there anything else you want to cover? Any questions that I may have glossed over or anything I've glossed over? Anything else you want to cover? Uh, I am running for the state treasurer. I don't know if you, if you knew that. Oh, I, I, yeah. Okay. You're okay. You're going to campaign for that position. Not really. It's an, it's a governor's appointment. So the uh, current state treasurer is stepping down. And uh, so the central committee will nominate three people to the governor and he'll pick from those three. So, and, okay. and, and that's an interesting, it's just, it's interesting to me because I'm the only rural guy and by joining in the, in the uh, campaign, it, Kind of forces other other candidates to talk about rural issues which was really probably my highest priority on this was to to bring those issues to the forefront of the discussion so i'm, I'm happy i'm happy to, to see that hap, happen yeah so so you are going to be the state treasurer or you're no you no i'm just one of ten i'm one of ten right now so we'll go through the process and okay we'll, that's what we'll i thought if, okay yeah yeah all right well good luck i i think you'd be a good one Thank you. Um, Thanks. Really if enjoyed you talking to you. I, yeah. Oh, what's that? I said I've really enjoyed talking to you. I appreciate that you do so much homework on this stuff and bring some information. Yeah, if you don't mind, uh, stick with me for just a few minutes after the podcast. If you don't mind, I just want to talk to you about something. Sure. But I will talk to you all yeah. later, folks. Thank you for listening to the LDS Life Podcast. If you want to make a suggestion, comment, or to recommend a guest, email Kevin Williams at kevinw at ldslifepodcast.com. Be sure to check out his Facebook page, LDS Life Podcast.